Great to be together. Hey, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. This is the theme verse of our church. And before I read that again, does anyone remember a long time ago, the year 2019? It seems like a lifetime ago. I remember one of my most joyful moments of 2019 was we had been invited by one of our church members, Sherry Briggs, to come and serve at the ministry she leads called Bridge of Hope. Awesome ministry in the heart of City Heights, a compassion ministry serving the refugees, serving uh, the homeless, underprivileged. And so we were doing the distribution of Christmas gifts. And man, if, if you want to experience God, go and spend a day among the poor. The Bible says this, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. And I was just having a blast um, on days that we're not doing uh, real church. They actually let me get on a cajon or let me join the worship team. So I was just going off as Stephen and I were doing some fun music for people. And young people were coming up to us and chatting it up. And then the joy of getting to share the gospel with people from all different nations that were there. And then seeing people's elation as they were walking off with Christmas gifts to give to their kids that they could have never afforded. It was just a a banner day for us. I don't know if you've got to have that experience before, but you just understand that you are touching God's heart. And it's not just the joy that comes with that. Some of the most powerful times where I've seen the, the presence and, and the miracle working touch of God poured out have been when I've been among the most poor of the earth. I remember the, the most miraculous church service. I've only seen this a couple times where every person that came needing a, a divine healing got healed, was in this, this shanty church, wooden walls, just uh, wood, bare benches, dirt floor in Latin America. It was like we had stepped into the book of Acts. Our theme verse for the church is found in Luke 4.18, but let me read it to you in context. It says this about Jesus. It says, he went into Nazareth. So Jesus is returning to his hometown where he was brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. So he's given the scroll. That would be akin to a Bible today. He gets the prophet Isaiah, known as the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, and he's going to read a messianic text. Like this is the description of what the Messiah will be like when he comes. And it says this, unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Now, this is Luke 4.18, our theme verse for this church. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to thee. To thee. Jesus was saying when Messiah comes, you're going to know it because he's going to proclaim good news first to thee. You know, I, I find for many Christians this thought of actually caring for the poor they see it as a, a special calling or a, a, a niche job that 
only a handful of people are actually called to, but what I want to challenge us with today is if we want to be like Jesus, which I believe you do if you're here this morning, if we want to be true Christians, which means little Christ, then we're going to have a heart for what he had a heart for, which is the poor. We're in a series called Cultural Distinctives, and we're really unpacking kingdom culture, and we're also talking about what makes us us as All People's Church. And each week I've been showing you this diagram that we drew out on the first uh, retreat of our, our church. And then I, I put it on my iPad, but I, we finally sent it off to a designer and said, can you, can you make this look a little nicer? So here it is, unfailing, boom! The, isn't that pretty? The Luke 418 vision, where we're talking about these five lightning bolts of who we're called to be, and what we're called to do. And it's found in Luke 418 from the ministry of Jesus. First, it's spirit-empowered ministry. We talked about how the only way we could be a people of spirit-empowered ministry is through prayer. And so we unpacked that last week. But this week, we're talking about ministry to the poor, the way a city will be changed, and a way that the kingdom will come is through ministry to the poor. Now, I have to say, I haven't always believed this. I haven't always wanted to be a part of this. I remember my first mission trip overseas, actually getting on a plane and flying overseas. If anyone's gotten on a plane and flown to a different country, will you just raise your hand, wave at me real quick? Look at all these people, and I, I, I want every person that's a part of this church to get to do that because it'll change your life. And you're also following the Great Commission that says, go into all nations. Jesus said this to all his people. Go into all nations and make disciples. And we land, and the plane door opens, and I'm immediately hit with a wave of heat. We were in Calcutta, India. You think it's hot in East County. It gets a lot hotter in that East County of India. And we get in our, our cars. It's 10 o'clock at night. It's over 100 degrees, and the pollution's horrible. And we're driving down the street, and my senses were overloaded because in every inch of the street, it seemed, people are in cardboard boxes or in tattered blankets sleeping on the sidewalk. And we finally get to the heart of Calcutta, and we're staying at the YMCA guest house. And we go in, and I go in and crank up the air conditioning, and I'm thinking I've escaped. And I open my windows to look out at the city. And in the two little uh, slabs of concrete, you know, that, that you can see the, the lines where the sidewalk has been poured. There are eight people sleeping outside my window. It was absolutely heartbreaking. We go out the next day, kind of mustered my, my emotional strength, and immediately was swarmed by a pack of kids begging. And heartbreakingly, some of them had no clothes. They were completely naked. And I remember one of them just begging for my water bottle. Can you throw me that water bottle? And I'm just looking at, at I mean, it just, something like this, not like this nice, you know, uh, cool thing that you get at REI, like a water bottle like this. And I hand it to this little girl and the, the beaming joy on her face of receiving a plastic few cent water bottle. It was like I had given her a hundred bucks. And she ran off and joined. All these kids followed her, 
guys, it ripped out my heart as we walked the streets of that slum. And I thought, this is unbelievable. And I remember a missionary visiting us that night at our hotel from America and, and him talking about that he believed it was worth it to lay down his life and his comfort to come and serve among these people. And I just wept going, God, I, I, I can't handle it. I can't do it. And that was the longest week of my life. I mean, I, would, I don't know if you've had a, a time where you looked at your watch every few minutes, just hoping the time would pass. And I remember getting on the plane, and man, the pollution had, had messed with my, my, uh, my system. And, and I get on that plane, and they shut the door, and I, oh, I'm never so glad to be on a plane. And I turn and look at my mentor, who was the leader of the trip, and I said, I don't care if God called me, I would never come to this city. That's your pastor, by the way. He looked at me and just laughed. He goes, you have to do what God calls you to. I said, no, I don't. <laughs> and although I, I, I knew I was called to, to be a pastor and to, to missions, I, all I wanted to do was go back, jump back in my family business, and just make millions of dollars and forget that I had ever seen the poor of the earth. We, we landed in LAX airport, and I actually walked off the plane hit my knees, and kissed the ground. Now, if you know me, I'm a germ freak. And so to kiss LAX floor <laughs> is about the most disgusting thing ever. But that's how glad I was to be out of what seemed like just, just a, a living hell on earth. And so the next two weeks, I just relaxed in my parents' ho big home with the air conditioning and swimming in their pool. And, and then next, I flew off on a plane to Great Britain to, to study abroad. And my culture shock, I don't know if you've ever been in culture shock, that happened to me as I was staying at Westminster School next to Big Ben running in the most beautiful St. James Park by Buckingham Palace. I went from Calcutta, India to in front of Buckingham Palace and I'm running around with college students that have their parents' credit cards and they're just spending like crazy because if you've been to London then you know things are time and a half more expensive and they were spending money like it was going out of style and then complaining about the different things and I I am, I am just going crazy because I'm going like this. I'm seeing a picture of who I am, of, of, of middle-class America, and, and, and are complaining about that. And then I'd just been in India, and I was just going crazy. It was a very uncomfortable time. And one night, we go in the, in the tube, uh, you know, the, 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 the subway tube underground, and we pop up in this square because we're going to go to a movie. It's the weekend, and we've been studying. And we pop up in Piccadilly Circus, which which is one of the big squares in England. And as we come out, I just, it's the, the nations of the earth are there. I mean, and really it's, it's where God started birthing the, the dream of the multi-ethnic church in my heart. But there's, there's all of these refugees from Africa and they're in their, beautiful, in their beautiful garb. And then there's this Peruvian wood flute band. And then there's all of these Chinese people gathered there. And then there's all of these very poor people living on the street, and I, something catches my attention because it's kind of like a skirmish happening, and it's this, this homeless guy who's 
just going off, kind of cursing at this guy in a bright orange shirt. And I'm seeing all these people in a bright orange shirt. And so I walk closer to it. And, and this orange shirts say, have Jesus written on them. And I could tell, oh, what's going on is this is actually a church. These are people from a church. And this, this poor homeless guy is going off on, on, on this, you could tell this like a seasoned, loving Christian. And the Christian guy is just looking at him saying, but we love you. This guy's going off. He goes, and that's why we're giving to you. And they're handing out food and water. And he goes, and that's why we took you in to live with us. And I am realizing in the midst of the sea of humanity, in the midst of the poor of the earth, even being mistreated, that I'm seeing the beauty of Christ-like unconditional love being given. And I, at that moment, was like, this is it. This is what the church is supposed to be in the midst of the sea of humanity, in the midst of the poor, even when we're not loved, just showering love. And at that moment, something just crystallized in my heart of that is what true New Testament Christianity is supposed to look like. Oh, it changed me. It changed me. And I saw this scripture come to life if you turn with me now to Matthew 25. Matthew 25 it says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, that's Jesus, by the way, and all the angels with him. We've been talking about that in our end series, that Jesus is going to actually return to earth. He's going to come in his glory. The angels are going to be with him, and he'll sit on his glorious throne. He's sitting on a throne in heaven. He's going to come and sit on a throne on earth, by the way, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he'll separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left, then the king, that's Jesus, will say to those on his right, come, you're blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Now watch this, listen to this. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king replied, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he'll say to those on the left, depart from me. You were cursed in the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry. You gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also answered, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger and needing clothes or sick and in prison and did not help you? He'll reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these you did not do for me. When I think about Jesus, when I think about him returning to earth, when I think about him sitting on his glorious throne, when I sit, think about standing before him, I want to have run my race. I want to have honored him. When I think about him living and dying on, and suffering on a cross for me, it just makes me want to say, what can I do to give back? How can I serve you? How can I bless you? And sometimes it's so hard because you're like, you're an invisible God. Like, how do I touch your heart? And yet he's saying, here it is. 
You see someone hungry. You see someone thirsty. You see someone who doesn't have clothes. It, it, it's actually not up to you to size them up and to evaluate their life and think, are they a worthy recipient? No, he says, whenever you touch them, you're doing something to me. And I'm just like, yes! Like, this is an opportunity for us to bless Jesus, the one who loves me and has given me when I didn't deserve it. Oh, people of God, I want to tell you what an incredible opportunity we have to minister to the heart of Jesus. What an honor. And, and God started getting a hold of mine and Steph's heart. And I'm not saying that we're the, the, the perfect models of this. Please hear me. This is something that we need to grow in. But God was getting a hold of our hearts, even though we were coming out of kind of the upper, upper middle class. We were like, man, it's not about what we have. We see tons of people that have everything, and yet they're so unhappy. Could it be that the kingdom of God is actually hidden in the hearts of the poor and that Jesus is inviting us in? And so at the time we were getting married, we emptied our bank account and moved moved into the inner city, and we thought, wow, we're, man, we're making a big sacrifice. We're, we're doing something big for God. We were the ones that got blessed. I was talking to some friends the other day in the church, and uh, very successful in business, and they were talking about living in this, in this really nice suburb outside of LA. I said, how was that? They said, you know what? Actually, it was really hard. They said, uh, we, we went years in this place, and everyone had everything, but we didn't even meet our neighbors. They said everyone would just drive in to their garages and disappear, and you wouldn't even see them. And if we tried to stop them, they'd look at us like we were weird. You want friends? Move into the inner city. There are no garages. Everyone's on their front porch, not their backyard and their 20-foot privacy fence. Right, and so what we noticed is that everyone was walking around and everyone was meeting us and they, they, were, they were greeting us and looking after each other and, and, I, and we were in their houses and I, I remember inviting some friends over. We said, hey, we'd love to have you over for dinner. The whole family came. And we're sitting there and we said, hey, uh, would you guys like to study the Bible? They weren't Christians. They said, yeah, absolutely. We started a, a group in their house and, and over the next year in that life group, 15 of their family members came to know Jesus. You want to be in an exciting small group? Have you ever been to a small group and you're like, this is so boring? Bunch of Christians looking at each other, talking about the same scriptures. Pray for me, brother. I have an unspoken prayer request. You want to be in a place where it's exciting. You see a bunch of people really real with their needs, being real, coming to Christ. There's nothing like it. And we were blessed and we were loved. And, and, and there was such sharing. I mean, you know, I was just amazed on how we were just, so much food was given to us. Isn't it crazy that sometimes the people with the most little give the most? Now, I've, hear me, I'm not down on, on middle class, I'm not down on rich people, but I am saying, could it be that there's something we're missing as the body of Christ? Because God says, blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. One of the most heartbreaking things in India is that there's this caste system, and, and people actually don't help 
the untouchables. The lowest is the untouchables, and they have about the same value of a, of a dirty dog, sometimes even less than that. And the, the, the thought and the reason is because they deserved it because they were reincarnated from a bad life, and they're paying off their sins from being the poorest and the most broken. And so don't touch them because you'll mess that system up. And you just think, oh, how horrible that is. We hear about that caste system. We hear about reincarnation and, and that kind of weird thing. We just say, oh, that's so horrible. But what I find is in American Christianity, we can actually have some of the same thoughts. Like, like this thought. You know, this is America. This is the land where all, all you have to do is work hard and, 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 and you'll do good. So if you're poor, if you're homeless, you must want to be that way. Can I tell you, from, from spending a lot of time among the poor and the homeless, it's not always the case. Yeah, there, every once in a while someone wants to, to be that. But so many times we think, this is America. This is the land of the free. We all start on the same line. Can I just tell you, that's not true. Um, I, I've coached football, and, and, and it's so many of us, we were born on the 10-yard line right in front of the end zone, right? Our friends and family make up this massive offensive line that are just blocking for us. Our friends and family are like the quarterback just perfectly handing us the ball with a big blocker running in front of us. And all we had to do is just kind of grab the ball and be caught up in the momentum that we were already in, run into the end zone. We're like, yeah, I'm the man. I mean, you were totally set up, right? And so many others, and maybe some of you in this hearing me today, you, you feel like you were born on the opposite 10-yard line. You had 90 yards to go with no, no friends and family as the, the yard line, no teachers and, and mentors and, and in the right area that was just going to push you forward. In fact, you feel like that you, the line turned and attacked you, right? I, you try being born to a crack addict mom. You think you're starting on the same line. You, you, you try being born to, to in, in a single parent family where your parents always gone just trying to survive. You try being born where all of your aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters are in a gang. You try being born. These are people, these are people in our church. I tell you, it's not the same line. And, and please hear me. I'm not saying, so I'm a proponent of socialism. No, that doesn't work. Right? Because, why? Because it doesn't deal with the greed and, and the power hungriness at the top, and it also doesn't incentivize people at the bottom who just want to hand I'm not, this is not a political message at all. And I'm not saying that God can't intervene in politics. What I am saying is this is a Bible message. I'm talking to the church about our responsibility. And some, I, I think so much of our problem in our country is the church isn't being with a church with the poor. And so it's about us. It's about us saying, you know what? I'll be an offensive lineman for someone else. I'll tell you, but I, I, remember, I remember showing up in one city in India, and people just started coming and asking for my autograph. And, and I'm not famous. No one knew who I was. I was a 21-year-old. But it was just because I was born an American. What? Has God given us in this country to whom much is given, much is required? And it's time for us to say, I'll actually run block and block in front of other people and pull them alongside of me because they haven't been given what I've been given. What a tremendous opportunity 
we have, listen to this scripture. I love this in Luke 10. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is it? Jesus says this, what's written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you'll live. But he wanted to justify himself. Man, isn't that us as Christians? We want to justify ourselves. So we asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, this is crazy because who is Jesus going to say is your neighbor, is someone you've never met in a mess, in a bloody, dirty mess, in a mess that's going to put you in a mess? Listen to the story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest or a pastor happened to be going down the same road heading towards a Christian conference. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side because he was like, I've got to go host a Zoom call. I don't have time for this guy. And who knows? He probably was doing something wrong to get in this situation anyway. It says a Levite. Now, I was just on me, okay, but now I'm going to be on you because you're the Levites. You're the good people that are trying to walk with God. A Levite does the same thing when he came to the place and saw me pass by on the other side. Why? Because he's like, ooh, I don't know. Like, I, I've, got my, I've got my life, to, I've got my family to take care of. Who knows why? That, I'd get all bloody, I'd get all dirty. I mean, it's really none of my business anyway. So who, who jumps in but a Samaritan? So the, the crazy thing about a Samaritan is that Jesus is making a hero out of a person who wasn't religious, who, who wasn't the priest, who wasn't the preacher, who wasn't from the, the, the right place. But what does he do? Watch what he does. This is so cool. As he traveled, he came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put... The guy on his own donkey brought him to an innkeeper to take care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him. He said, when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Jesus is telling us Hey, you, you, there are going to be people in your path that are messed up. And you know the interesting thing is we know, because Jesus is telling the story, we know how the guy got messed up. But the Samaritan didn't. Like the Samaritan didn't see the thing happen. We know that because he was the last one to come. So all he sees is a bloody, messy guy on the side of the road. And yeah, maybe he deserved it because he's an alcoholic. Maybe he doesn't want to work. Maybe he just likes laying in his blood. Maybe he doesn't want, maybe, maybe this guy just, just wants to enjoy a life of ease. Maybe that's why he lays around. Maybe he's not even, maybe, maybe he's not even hurt. Maybe he's just taking a nap. No, but the Samaritan, would you just take notes just for a second? I, 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 want, I want us to look at, at what Jesus says is like him, what he wants in the kingdom, what we have the opportunity to do. Number one, he saw him. 
It's time for Christians to start seeing the poor. I, I don't know about you, but I notice that sometimes I just try to look away. Because if I look away, then people won't come to me. If I make eye contact, I cannot tell you. Every time I make eye contact, I get asked for something. So I just want to look away. But no, Jesus says, the man of God, the woman of God, he actually sees them. Or sometimes I just want to protect my heart because my heart's so tender and it just hurts so bad. But Jesus is saying, no, he saw him. Number two, he took pity on him. We got to keep our hearts soft. We got to keep our hearts tender. We got to keep our hearts for things other than just our own, mine and my own. Number three, it says this, he went to him. This world is going to change. When we go to that neighbor in our neighborhood, every one of us has that person in our apartment building or on our street that they're, they're the outcasts. They're the ones that everyone else talks about. And we become the one that actually goes to that person. Every one of us, every student, you have that person that's, that's off in, in that class and they're the outcast and the reject. It's time for us to go to that person. I want to tell you, that there is so much joy in that. So many of us spend our whole life, do people accept me? Do people love me? To be One of the greatest pieces of advices I've ever gotten was every room you go into, look for the person that no one else is caring about and go to them and care for them. I have found the presence of God there. I have found the blessing of God there. I found Jesus there. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds. That means we're actually willing to get dirty. You might actually get a little dirt on you. You might actually get a little blood on you. But this is Christianity. You know when Christianity was exploding? You know that there was a time when Christianity was in a more antagonistic culture than we're living in today, and that was in the Roman Empire. And you know how Christianity exploded and actually transformed culture? Is Christians were the ones that went and bandaged wounds. You study the early church in the Roman Empire, and they were the ones who cared for people in the midst of a pandemic. Selah. I'm so concerned that many Christians are more concerned about keeping themselves safe and healthy, and so everyone's just retreating in a time of our country's history and our lifetime that needs us the most. And I think what an opportunity we have to show who we really are. And, and then it says pouring on oil and wine. You know what that means? He was traveling with some good stuff. Like he wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to help a, a, a hurting person so I have oil and wine. No, he was like, I have some oil because I'm going to pour, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to grill up some vegetables tonight. I have some wine because we're having a dinner. And what does he do? He pours it out. He's coming back from Trader Joe's. He's coming back from Costco loaded up and he takes his best stuff. He takes his, it's not just, oh, yeah, I have an old shirt. I'm going to go take it to Goodwill. Oh, look at me. I'm amazing. Hello? No, he takes his oil and what? He takes, he takes the stuff that's actually valuable to him and pours it out. We're going to change the world when we actually take our best and start giving it. 
Guys, this is an awesome opportunity. And so that's why I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for our all people's churches around the world that, 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 that during this pandemic time, you know, our, our, our church in Stellenbosch, they opened this big soup kitchen in, in the township and we're just feeding people and ministering to people. Our church in, in Indonesia, just going up and showing up with huge bags of rice and, and food. And guess what? In the midst of that, so many people came to Jesus. Why? Because they see the kindness they see. We need both the hands uh, and feet of Jesus and the mouth of Jesus combined. People are going to listen when they see both hands of the gospel working together at the same time. I'm so proud of all people's Tijuana. We partnered with them, filled up a semi of food, took it to thousands of food-deprived people in Baja. We served 300 pastors' families, gave them food in the midst of it. That's one of the things we're committed to as a church. When you tithe and give to this church, a portion of that goes to minister to the needs of the poor. And we met tons of needs here in the city, but here's what I'm excited about is we want to take it to the next level. Starting this weekend, we're starting our all-people's food distribution. And this is all part of something we're, we're moving towards called the All-People's Hope Center. So you guys know God's blessed us. He's given us a piece of land on the freeway uh, across from the, the university, but we don't ever want to lose our foothold. In fact, we want to increase it and increase our service to City Heights. And so we're going to start with food distribution, but we also want to give clothing. We also want to tutor children. We're already invested in numerous inner city schools, but we want to take that up. We want to do job training. We want to don't ever think... Uh, we have people serving in this church and even starting to lead ministries that were formerly homeless. People just, so, some people, they just need someone to believe in them. They just need someone to help them. Just like you had people to help you. They need someone to help them move forward. If you want to be involved in this, talk to Herb and Mary Jo. Raise your hand right here. This is awesome. I should have had you in every service uh, right here. These guys are leading us with Phil and LaShawn Palmer, with Amy, Amy Schmidt. Uh, different ones on the, on the team are helping them. But we're going to be doing this the, uh, this coming Saturday. We'll start once a month. We're hoping to move eventually to once a week. John and Michelle Ferreira that lead our initiative into the schools. We're connecting with numerous families. These are people from all different countries that, are, that uh, need these resources. We'll also be helping the different ones in our church that, that need food and resources. But this is just the beginning of what we're wanting to do. Let me finish with this. I need to take a sip of water to make sure I'm ready. It's not just an opportunity to serve the poor. It's not just Jesus's heart. But I want to tell us we need the poor. We need the poor. I, you heard me talk about in this series when we first came to San Diego, this pastor met with me and said, welcome to a pastor's graveyard. He said, San Diego is a hard place. And the reason is, is because people think they have everything and they don't need Jesus. But you know, we already knew that God's heart was for the poor. So we landed and we went into City Heights and we haven't seen a week where people didn't come to Jesus. Why? Because the poor know their need for the Lord. I want to tell you that it's a privilege and a blessing. But listen to this scripture 
from 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. You want to be in the middle of a move of God? Tie yourself to the poor. I study revivals and awakenings. Like that's one of my hobbies in life is reading book after book on revivals that have hit the earth. Do you know that 90 plus percent of them started among the poor? It's not just, oh, we're being so awesome when we go take care of the poor. No, we get blessed. Do you know that the, the, the revival that's touched America the most happened in April 14th, 1906, just up the street at Azusa Street. It's led to the greatest church growth movement, not just in America, but worldwide of all of charismatic Pentecostalism and third wave, the embracing of the power of the Spirit, which basically the whole church around the world is going to, or almost the whole church is going to. And it was started, it was started in a stable in a poor part of Los Angeles, it was led by a man who was the son of a slave. And the reason he had to meet in a stable is because of racism. He was kicked out of that. And these poor people got together and the Spirit of God visited him. He wasn't just poor uh, physically. He, was, he, he had a major handicap. He was blind in one eye. God chooses those who understand weakness. God chooses those. Why? It says this, and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. And in fact, it's really important that we start understanding we are poor, that we're all poor, that we, none of us have what we need, and we're all desperate for Jesus. So let me just finish with this. Let me finish with this. Because God, he's not trying to ruin your life. So many of us are like, I, don't, I can't do that. I can't, I can't get out among the poor. I can't serve among the poor. No, it's actually God wants to bless you. He's not trying to ruin your life. He's saying, no, get involved with what I'm doing. You know, the, the poor are like God's smallest kid. Does he love them more? No, but, but he, he wants to protect them. I'm not worried. I have four kids. I don't spend a lot of time worrying about my oldest son. He's 6'1", 190 pounds. I'm worried that he doesn't crush me. I'm worried. I'm worried about my youngest son, who's half that weight, 11 years old, and, and, and one time a big kid landed on him and broke his collarbone. That's who I am worried about, and that's how God is with the poor, and he's inviting us, come and you, you get to be like me and get to be a shelter to those who can't shelter themselves. You get to be my hands and feet. You get, and, and, and then I'm going to give you these things if you do this. Number one, write these down. Promises for those who care for the poor. We'll end with this. Number one, you will be blessed. God says, you take care of the poor, and I'm going to bless you. I want the blessing of God. I don't know about you. That's Proverbs 14, 21. Number two, God listens to you when you pray. Proverbs 21, 13, and the converse is actually true. He says, you close your ears to the poor, and I'm not going to listen to you. Yikes! I need God to hear my prayers. I want God to hear the prayers of this church. Number three, 
They will shine like the sun. Isaiah 58, you might not think you're that pretty or that handsome. You might not think that there's that much that is appealing about you, but you start taking care of the poor and the Bible says you're gonna just start shining. I wanna tell you the most amazing people I've ever met, the ones that I'm most impressed with are the ones that have given their life to serving the poor. There's just something about them. They just glow and radiate, and they're the most joyful. Number four, you'll be provided for. Proverbs 19, 17, whoever's generous to the poor lends to the Lord. Holy smokes. I want, I want to get to the end of my life and God be like, you lent to me. I was God's bait. Oh, that's cool. And he says, I'm going to be generous back to you. And here's the last one. And this is so important. They'll be protected. Man, if there's something we need in 2020, it is God's protection. He says that you care for them. In the day of trouble, the Lord, blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. Psalm 41. Why don't you stand up with me?